1: Uh, you know, we we have a lot of people here from Brazil, is that right? I want to tell a little story. I told it on uh, Saturday morning, but uh, I didn't tell it at the 9 o'clock, because you guys like to sleep in, I hear. <laughs> it's my kind of people, man. Yep. Yep. Funny story happened to me 11 years ago. Uh, Yeah, it was 11 years ago. It was right when we were getting to awaken. Everything when we got to awaken changed for us. And we were Christians, actually. We just hadn't experienced Christianity without religion. And you're in a a region that's known for its religion, but not necessarily for its life. And I want you to know... Jesus didn't come to create a new religion. He came that you would have life, and life abundantly. And so when we came to Awaken, the, the, the dial of life got turned up. So we had a little bit of life, but abundant life is when your life gets turned up. And that means the things that you experience, you enjoy more. You feel more alive. You feel more electric. You feel more engaged. You feel more yourself. Are you with me, and then the life that flows through you. Remember, out of your innermost being flows life. We began to see the life that didn't just flow towards us, but the life that came through us got significantly increased as we got into this um, house, into Awaken Church, and it will for you. I want you to know there's one thing to be in a place where God touches your life, and that's wonderful. That's wonderful. He'll touch you tonight if you're in a place, or tonight, today, today, right now, um, if you're in a place where, you, where you're in need of him. But I want you to know there's an actual graduation where he doesn't just touch your life, he uses your life. And he begins to use you as an instrument of life and health. And that's what happened when we, when we got here. Um, but we were down in Mexico, right, babe? And it was your father who's passed away recently, one of the greatest men that I knew, um, Paul Keefe, and he would take us on these legacy trips to Mexico, and, and they would pay for everything. Taught me, the first person to ever teach me about prosperity, it wasn't in a message. It was in a life. Yeah. And he wanted to be in a position to be a blessing for those he loved most, his family. And he would pay for all of us as his kids, and I was in the family now, let's go. Um, And all the grandkids. And he would take us, It was uh, that year was Cancun, Mexico. And we're down there, and he would say this about legacy. He says, legacy's not what you leave to your children, it's what you leave in your children. So we're down there, and it was 2011, and it was one year before, no, 2000 and, sorry, 2009. It was one year before the World Cup, which we're coming upon right now, right? Anybody like soccer in here? You don't need to, I got my Brazilian family in here, and they like like it enough for all of us. So, That day changed my orientation about how God is not religious, but instead God creates us to live for him in the way he engineered us. Let me say that again. He's not religious. He doesn't want you to do religious things. He engineered you uniquely to represent him with your engineering. And I had, I had never heard. This was like a brand new concept for me, and it was about to be revealed by watching the Brazil national soccer team. So I, at the time, the United States men's team was doing quite well, which is kind of strange, okay? <laughs> the woke women's team has done well, and I have a hard time rooting for them. But at the time, I was patriotic, and I was excited about, they had just beaten Spain. Spain had won 17 consecutive games. They were the top team in the world. And it was in the Confederation Cup, so it was one year before the World Cup. It was like a prelude to the World Cup. Okay, and then um, they knocked off Spain in the semifinal, and guess who the United States faced in the final? Brazil. (laughs) And I didn't like Brazil at the time because they're always winning. (laughs) Be careful if you want to become a winner, not everybody's gonna like you. But they will respect you. So anyway, guess what happens? The U.S. goes up two nothing in halftime. And I'm like, oh man, I don't even have moves and I was moving. But of course, what always happens? caca happens. Kaká is the the player, the captain of the Brazil national team. I didn't know who he was. I'd I'd never heard of him, but he showed up, and he led his team to victory. They won 3-2 that day. Great, sure. No big deal, right? Until you saw what happened next. Kaká takes this trophy, gets all his teammates into the middle of the field, put on these white T-shirts. Even though they speak Portuguese, they wanted the whole, probably a billion people watching this game. And they wanted the whole world to know their source and their God. So in English jerseys, they wrote, I belong to Jesus. And they got on their knees in the middle of the, of the field, with the cup they just won, and they offered it to God. And they just worshipped God with their winning. For, and it wasn't quick. It was 10, 15 minutes of just exuberant honor and praise to God. Now... It so shifted me because I always thought you're supposed to go into all the world and make converts by, you know, preaching Jesus and you needed to be a pastor if you were going to make a difference in the world and get people into the kingdom one day, you know what I'm saying? And so I didn't realize like you could impact or disciple a nation by being a soccer player. But you see, Kaka, when he was 18, he he went down a water slide at a water park like a normal kid and snapped his neck. And he was told he'd never play again. But the same spirit of healing that was in here, that healed that young man's daughter, that's healing Gabe's shoulder, the same spirit healed Kaka's neck and back. And he went on to lead his nation won the Balloon Dior, one of the greatest soccer players in the world, played for AC Milan, won the Champions League. And this day he was leading his nation, not just the nations of the world, and this American who went from frustrated to, oh my gosh, my eyes have been opened to what the kingdom can look like. You with me? He discipled me. giving everything God built him for to God. 230 million people in Brazil, most of them under 30. Guess how many of them like the soccer team? Do you think that people follow those that influence them? So when you have the right people winning, does it have an effect on the nation? You better believe it. Brazil was impacted by Kaká. I was impacted. And now you've been impacted. (laughs) Can we give it up for our Brazilian people? You guys love God. You guys are amazing. Glad you're here. You know why you're here is because you love God and you know what the presence of God feels like. Brazil's a beautiful people, but they, they're they also very passionate. They don't like f- religion. They like real, authentic power. That's where we are. All right, well that was the intro. I didn't get through the word last time either. The spirit of Pastor Juergen has come upon me again. Shows up with five points. and somehow leaves you wondering, why did you even tell me you had five points? I have four. We're in amazing, we're, we're transitioning out of an incredible series called Save Our City, understanding that we have been given the assignment of being salt and light in our city. We have both individually and as a church in Salt Lake City, Awaken has been given the assignment of saving, restoring, benefiting, blessing, reviving our city. You're not in a community church. You're not in a place that's just gonna look after you and yours. Awaken is a city-taking church. Every sphere of culture needs desperately to be impacted. That's why we're here. We got a lot of work to do. When my eyes look across the city, I see a lot of dysfunction. But you and I are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And when salt loses its flavor, it's good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Therefore, you have no influence in the city. But when God raises up a church that's true salt and true light, cities will be saved. I want you to know, what was the prayer we asked early on? God, what are you doing? He says, I'm saving a city. Can I be a part of that? Yes, I'm glad you asked but I don't want to do religious stuff. Good, me neither. I want to play soccer for God. Good, I can use that. I want to be an artist for God. Good, I can use that. I have a bent to go into politics. We kind of need that. Good, good, good. You with me? So we're in the Save the City, but we're also kind of transitioning into it's a wonderful life. So we're kinda in between series. There it is. And what I've discovered is if there's one thing God came to do for us, it's to unlock wonderful. Unlock wonderful. And he's so impassioned by it that he paid a great price to unlock you and I. But he also wants to give us the tools, the principles, the courage, the faith to unlock ourselves and unlock our city. Are you ready to come on this journey? I think we're gonna do it. I think we're gonna get through four points. First, we're gonna read the word. Somebody heckled already. I heard uh, you got this Uncle Bill. I have a word for you, Ben. Oh, Uncle Billy's got a word for you. I see your hair falling out and I I don't know what it is. Oh yeah, you know. Listen, you live when you live with envy like me, man. Of, Everybody over six foot and everybody that's got nice hair, you know, I'm sorry. I'm for you sometimes, and sometimes I'm just not. <laughs> I'm working it out. Um, I want to start with the word of God. We're going to start in First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 20. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you, from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now, in these days, He has been revealed for your sake. I liked this so much I wanted to read it in one more version, in the New King James Version. Let's read it again. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was made manifest in these last times for you so when you we sing that song Jesus what an anthem that was our redemption now I don't know about you, but when we talk, and we talk every week, we don't generally say, hey, how's your redemption process? Are You feeling redeemed by the blood, Matt? We just, we don't talk like that, and I like that actually. If, you, if somebody asks you how you're doing, please don't say blessed and highly favored brother, washed in the blood. Like, can you just speak English? or Portuguese, and not Christianese. What we don't need is religious vernacular. We need life, but what is redemption? Redemption is, it means, this is the meaning, and he is our redemption. It means you were sold into slavery to the systems of the world to sin, to dysfunction, now you were never intended to live with dysfunction. Remember, back it up a little bit. God created everything and it was good and then he created you and it was very good. In his likeness, in his nature, in his image, created for dysfunction Why would anyone who's good create anyone for dysfunction, created to function, to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it, to be a benefit, to bring life, to bring health, to bring impact? So remember, when when you're processing what God has done for you, always look through the the lens of what he originally intended. He's a good engineer. He intended your life to function. Any good engineer wants what he built to work. You were created to work and function, built amazing, astounding. But all of us bit the apple, experienced the fall, the pain, the dysfunction, the distance, the shame, the condemnation, the confusion, the anxiety. All of us participate in the fall. All of us actually have come under the curse of the human race. Was that God's intention? That you would live separated from him? when he created you. In fact, he knows you can't be optimized, disconnected from him. One of the promises abide in me and you will abound. I created you to work just not distant or disconnected from me and yet we find ourselves disconnected from life and health and function and courage. So what does redemption mean? It means you're so valuable to me that even if there's only one way to get you back, I'll pay that price. So what was the price tag to buy you out of dysfunction and bring you all the way, not just to heaven, not just to heaven, but all the way back into your original intention, which was function and health? What was the price tag? the precious blood of Jesus. That was the price for you and us. And God loved what he made so much that he paid the ultimate price to restore it. How sad that we would never apply the full redemption, the full price tag that intended to deliver you and I from dysfunction and slavery to whatever you're enslaved to. How sad that the one who paid the highest price would have people that paid for him choose to limit how much of that price tag they will apply to their world. And this is what has helped me, helped me come fully in to what God engineered me for. Because I still struggle with condemnation, shame, disqualification, Confusion at times anxiety. I live in the real world. I have to look this guy in the mirror. I'm not always super encouraged by what I see. Sometimes I look out and see what I'm competing against and then I have to look back at myself and I wonder if I have what it takes. Has anybody ever had thoughts like that? So this helps me. I realize just applying the blood to my life I can get a little ways, but when I start looking through the lens, not of what I deserve, but of what he deserves. He created me amazing, and then bought me with his son's blood. Doesn't he deserve my life to function? And so even on days where I am disqualifying myself, he's not disqualified from my life working. He's not disqualified from the promises working. He's not disqualified from function. He's not, he deserves it. So redemption is you and I saying, okay God, I realize where I'm at. I don't need to be here. But more than that, you deserve for me to surrender my life and follow you into health and function and dynamic living and prosperity and abundance and life and being a blessing. You know what I've discovered when I follow God into everything he bought me for? The people around me benefit. The city benefits. My industry benefits. My business benefits. My marriage benefits. My children benefits. You know what happens when I stay locked? in a prison that I have been paid to come out of, but chose to not apply life to, you know what happens? Those same people that benefit when my life's working, to the degree that I stay here, is to the degree that they don't benefit. So here I am as a father, in a world that's crazy, who has a responsibility to deposit confidence in my children, life in my children, health in my children, purpose in my children, and yet I'm living beneath what God bought me for. Who suffers? Awaken Church, is, we, we want you all the way out, not, not just out of Egypt or prison, but all the way into, promise. Listen, abundant life is not just for you to have more stuff, it's for your life to make a difference, to make an impact, to be a blessing, to benefit others, to strengthen others, blessed to be a blessing. That's the title and the scripture. Did I tell you I only came with one point today? (laughs) The point is that love always calls you upward. Love always calls you upward. And love's upward call sometimes doesn't feel very upward. It can feel sometimes like a low blow, actually. Can I tell you one of my upward moments? It was Pastor Jurgen, who I think loves me. (laughs) At least I thought he loved me before this call. We'd been serving faithfully for five years at Awaken. Passed some tests, we were generous, we loved the church, faithful. liked liked our life and he wanted to have coffee and I'm thinking sure he must be impressed with something we've done but then there's that other part of me that's thinking oh shoot (laughs) did I say something wrong (laughs) anybody been there (laughs) most of the time it's that side that I'm thinking Listen, that's not how it was originally in the garden. You didn't think that way. You didn't immediately go into fear. You didn't immediately go into worst case. You didn't immediately go into I did something wrong. That's part of the fall. So I'm learning. I'm coming out of thinking like that, but it's a process. I thought like that for a long time. My parents thought like that. So I'm, redemption isn't, is a momentary thing where the price has been paid, and then it's a perpetual enforcement of what doesn't hold me anymore and what I truly submit to and what my government is now. My government is the king of kings. He he rules my life. You with me? But it's a process of subduing every other governing voice. Um, That's fresh right there. Come on, baby. Shoot! That's the that's the uh, church sign for hurry up. <laughs> Pastor Jurgen he he calls me that day and he wants to have coffee and so we show up and he said, hey, uh, you know we're an honor church around here. You've heard we've honored like seven hundred people already. And uh, when we first got here, I kind of I figured that out and I could honor too. And I just listened to, to Pastor Matt honor. I'd be like, oh, okay, I could say the same thing. And Pastor Jurgen's like, hey, um, I've noticed when you speak, your words are empty. You say all the right things, but there's no honor when you speak. And uh, I was like, wow, that feels really nice. Feels like love right now. And then it got worse. See, we're one of those churches where all the campus pastors are competitive. And so we like to win. That's how it was for Jesus back in the day. His disciples weren't like eunuchs. They were like comparing who had the biggest catch. I actually think he went and found people that were competitive. I think he did. I think he was probably out there watching who actually cared about had the biggest catch. He's like, I like that Peter guy. And you know what I mean, and I think he began to select people based probably on their productivity. And um, but anyway, um, long story short, I imagine they were competitive, probably fighting all the time over stuff. Who's the greatest? Remember that conversation? Jesus hears them like talking about who's going to be the greatest in heaven one day. And what I love about Jesus is he didn't say, you know what, we need to snip these guys. These guys are way too competitive. Way too much mochismo going on here. Uh, We need some humble, meek, mild people in the kingdom. Eunuchs. Did he say that? No, no, no. He says, oh, you want to be great. That's good because you were created to be great. Let me just teach you how to be great. If you want to be great, serve the most amount of people. If you, the greater your life is, the more people you serve. If you want to be great, good, good, good. Let me teach you. Put the most amount of people in front of you. Live to exist to benefit the most amount of people. That's the secret sauce to greatness. So let me take you back to my wonderful coffee with Pastor Jurgen. There's a few of the campus pastors here that I get along with. Good and some of them are a little harder for me. Their personality, they're winning. One of them's Dr. Matt. He and I, it's like this town is not big enough for the two of us. It's probably why we're going to Boise, man. I don't know, but of course. He won that battle, it sounds, and this is another one. So it wasn't just Pastor Jurgen going, when you honor I don't feel it, he said, have you considered Dr. Matt? When he honors, I feel heaven open. It's like, oh, oh. Did he love me, though? Was Pastor Jurgen calling me upward? What if I, though, would have been offended? Well, let me say that right. (laughs) What if I would have stayed offended? I was quite offended. But, you know, when people are calling you into wonderful, when they're calling you up, they have to address your deficits. He wasn't trying to shame me for the prison and the deficit I had where I did indeed lack honor. I didn't know how to honor authority. I didn't. I didn't know how. The words weren't enough. But love was calling me out of prison into a life that didn't just now have a lack of honor but abounded with honor. And I want you to know, I began to study Dr. Matt Hubbard. I took him out to coffee. It was not an easy thing for me to do. It was really humiliating for me to pursue my kind of rival Just saying, like, but I wanted honor so bad that I would do whatever it took. And now he's become, now listen, we're still different. I still root for him sometimes, you know, but. (laughs) I'm glad he's on my team, I'll tell you that. But what I'm saying is, can you be called up? Or are you gonna stay offended? I wonder if maybe some of us even in this room are offended right now. Somebody disappointed us. Pastor Colin, that guy from San Diego, came out here, didn't shake my hand at the conference yesterday. I waited for 20 minutes for him and he just disappeared on me. You know what, I can't, This church people, they're all the same. You see how offense just, all of a sudden, it's just a subtle little, I felt rejected, I felt disconnected, I felt overlooked. I, I, somebody had a hard conversation with me, didn't appreciate me, didn't see me, and therefore, here I am, bitter. Offended. Hey, listen, it's okay for you to get offended. You just can't stay offended. As we close this service, we're gonna even have some ministry team up here because because it is impossible to unlock wonderful if you and I stay offended. In fact, wonderful is unlocked not only when I receive forgiveness, but when I extend forgiveness. I'm not trying to make your pain or your injury trivial. It's valid. It's just as Matt Tuggle said, Pastor Matt said earlier, bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping somebody else gets sick. You're gonna have an opportunity to exchange some offense for wonder. Well, let's close this down. Hey, It's a great touch of God in here. Um, If you're in here and you're stuck in this cycle of dysfunction, listen, the church exists not to shame you into producing, to love you into it. But I don't know about you, but I have had seasons where I find myself disconnected from love Disconnected from my father in heaven, disconnected from function, disconnected from health. In fact, it's not even a choice. It's a prison. I need somebody to rescue me, to redeem me, to buy me out. I need something with resource and power to put something in me that I don't have. God wants to do that this morning, right now. If that's you, I need you to be courageous for a second. If you know you're stuck over here and you don't really want to be, and the people you care about are suffering as well because there's not a lot of function happening and a whole lot of dysfunction, if, if that's you, I want you to be courageous and just put your hand up because God is gonna, God's going to show up big for those that are, that are honest, that are, thank you for your vulnerability, for your transparency, for your courage. Those are the things those who are humble attract grace. We're going to pray for you, and God's going to move. He's going to move. Secondly, maybe you're not all the way locked up, but you're certainly not all the way optimized, fully functioning, healthy, dynamic, prospering. Brothers, I pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as you're Soul process. Jesus came that you might have life and life abounding and maybe you're not locked up in a prison but you know there's more abundance for you to be a blessing and if you know you're here and you're not abounding, you're not optimized, you're not fully utilized by the master for his work and his glory. If that's you I need you to be courageous. Wow. Well, I guess it's all of us. You want to go on a journey with me right now as we pray? Out of bondage, out of dysfunction. That's the cross. That's the gospel. That's the good news. You're not just forgiven. You're fully redeemed, brought out and brought in. Why don't we stand on our feet and pray? Such a touch of God in here. But speaking of honor, we do need to honor time. Follow me in this prayer, would you? Just repeat after me. Father God, thank you. You love me so much that you created me in your likeness to work, to function, to be healthy. When you designed me Your fingerprints designed me to function, to abound, to prosper, to be blessed, to be a blessing. I realize I've fallen in to dysfunction. I'm not optimized right now. There's more for me, more for me to do more life for me to experience, more health. I allow your blood, the blood of your son Jesus, to redeem me, to buy me out of a life that's less than your best God. I apply your blood to me. You deserve my life to work, I turn away from dysfunction and I turn towards my new master, the one who loves me so much he paid every price. And I'm going to follow you, God, into health and abundance and life. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your strength. Put your nature and your spirit in me so that I can serve You all my days, benefit those I'm called to, and glorify Your name. In Jesus'
0: name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com